tailgating is back. Football is back. The Spartans are back. It's game day. Let's go! You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners, download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off of your first purchase. The two hundred and seventy-nine day wait is over. Spartan football is back in our lives. If you're listening to this right now, if you're watching this right now, first of all, hey, thank you so much for gearing up for game day with us here at Locked On Spartans. Second of all, hey, this means we are within 24 hours of kickoff here against Central Michigan. I don't know if you could tell, but I, I can't wait. Uh, all the excitement of the preseason, the anxiety, it, it's all going to wash away here at about mm, 11 o'clock on Friday, for better or for worse. But man, God, there there is really no feeling like kickoff of the college football season when your team is in the mix here. So let's get into it. Okay, we got a lot of stuff written down that we have to talk about because this is a pretty big day, but batting first isn't going to be something from me. No, this is from an emailer, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. His name is Michael. He says, hey, Matt, love the podcast. Been listening for a few years now. Keep up the awesome work. Well, keep on being awesome yourself here, Michael. Something I was thinking about after hearing Mel's response of, quote, we will see who runs out first is his usage of the word first. Uh, Michael is talking about the quarterback situation. Who's going to be the starter? Noah Kim or Kaden Hauser? Back to the email. Am I reading too much into this by thinking that someone could come out second. Almost like the quarterback competition is going to bleed into game one and both Kim and Hauser will get some run. Tell me what you think. Much appreciated. For those that have been living under a rock, there is a quarterback battle between Noah Kim, Kaden Hauser, and going up until kickoff, just like Michael said, Mel Tucker said, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to say who the starter is. You're going to have to see who runs out there first. So it is still a mystery. We have no idea who is going to start on Friday night. I, who, 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 who could it possibly be? Uh, we have no idea. But look, I think the arguably the biggest storyline going into this game, and this is why we're starting off with this mailbag question, is how are they going to divvy up the quarterback battle here? I do think that we are going to see both guys in this game. I think that's 100% what is going to happen for two reasons. One, I'm in the understanding that this quarterback battle still is that close, that there is no clear-cut number one guy between Noah Kim and Kaden Hauser. Now, number two, if you played Noah Kim the whole game, I mean, don't you kind of think that all but ships Hauser out of here? I mean, just say that the quarterback competition is over immediately week one. And look, fair or not, like whether that is fair or not, maybe Kim really is that better than Kaden Hauser. But also there, there's a little bit of a politics playing here because you're not going to give your elite 11, your four-star kid that you recruited, Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson, you're not going to give him a shot in the regular season at all. I just don't think that's going to be a reality. What I think is that it's going to bleed into not just this week, but after next week as well. I don't think that this quarterback battle gets wrapped up until Sunday morning after the Richmond game. This is just one step, but I am fascinated how they are going to split this up. Is it going to be, hey, Noah, you get a quarter. Caden, you get the second quarter. Noah, back in for the third or every other series. Or is it going to be one for each half or... God, maybe I will be wrong here. Maybe it will be Noah Kim the entire game, which, 
That would surprise me. That would shock me that they wouldn't even give Caton a chance here, but stay tuned to find out. There are a lot of knowns going into this game. There are a lot of unknowns going into this game, and there are going to be some things we will overreact to and things we will not overreact to. I have one thing written in bold in front of me for things we are not going to overreact to. Don't hold me to that. I mean, I'm going to try my best not to overreact to anything, but this is certainly one thing I won't overreact to, and would you look at that? It's quarterbacks. Uh, we are going to keep talking about the quarterbacks here. Now, that may sound a little ridiculous. We do hold Michigan State quarterbacks to a high standard, especially when they're playing against a group of five team that is slated to finish in the middle of their conference, kind of like well, Central Michigan is. However, guys, I I know this sounds weird, but Central Michigan actually has a pretty solid pass defense. They had 55 pass breakups last year. That is good for 21st in the country. 45 of those pass breakups are returning this year. 15 of those belonging to cornerback Dante Kent. Already on the Bronco Nagurski watch list, he shuts down that side of the field for Central Michigan. Also throw in the fact that well, they could be splitting series the entire game. We're breaking in. Got, what is it, six new receivers that'll all be cycling through the first game nerves, etc. There's a lot working against the pass game right here. So if it's just an okay day for both Noah Kim and Kaden Hauser, if we're just yeah, at the end of the day giving that a, a C plus, a 5 out of 10, I'm not going to be staring at the ceiling that night, punching the air, thinking that, ah, oh my god, okay, the, the season's already over, we can't pass the ball. I, it, it is somewhat of a test early on just from Central alone. You throw in all the extracurricular stuff like just what we said, splitting the reps, new receivers, first game nerves. I, I will allow this to bleed in to two weeks, maybe even three. Um, now, if it's just flat out putrid, like both these guys are throwing a pair of interceptions, no one's above 55% completion, and they're just making horrible reads the entire game, it's like a three out of ten, fine. Uh, everyone's going to be allowed to well, overreact a little bit because of that, but I, I hope I don't come off as, you know, holding this with kid gloves. I think that there is some reason and rationale, which I, I know we're doing that on this show, believe that or not. Um, but yes, just a little bit of patience with the quarterback play in the first game, the second game, and then by the third game, when the starter is likely named by then, then we can get down to brass tacks and start judging how this is going to work out. Now, that was just one thing we're not going to overreact to. All right, there's going to be plenty that we can overreact to. And we got into some of this with Graham Couch on an episode a few days ago here. And a lot of this is stuff that, hey, if it's going well, okay, well, that's what you're supposed to do against a team like Central Michigan. However, if a few of these things do not go well... I, uh, find that big red button and slam it because it is time to panic here. And the first one is if the run game for Michigan State stalls out. If it is just not looking like it is going to work out on the ground. And just like their pass defense, Central Michigan offers some challenges. All right, Last year, they were top five in the nation for stuff rate. That is the percentage of runs that get stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. Very easy to follow. They were also 15th nationally in opportunity rate. That's a percentage of plays that go four yards or more. All right, they were 15th best at that. They return all but one guy to that defensive front. They are very experienced. Now, look, I know I just named a lot of reasons why the secondary for Central is good and why maybe I'll excuse the quarterback play for a week or two because of how strong Central's pass defense is. 
I'm not going to give the same grace entirely to the run game, though, because unlike the quarterbacks, this offensive line is experienced. All right, yes, you do have new faces in Geno Vandenmark. Also, junior college transfer Keyshawn Blackstock. And yes, of course, you have the backups, but you do have J.D. Duplain, Nick Samak, two guys that were Big Ten honorable mention last year. You have Spencer Brown, Brandon Baldwin. Those are four guys that got a healthy amount of starts last year. And you also have a proven, proven run game as well. Jalen Berger, kind of a eh start to his year last year, the first two months, but his final month of the season last year, five yards per carry in those last four games. You also went in the portal, you got Nathan Carter. All right, this is a cannonball of a running back, most yards after contact in the nation in his four games last year before bowing out with an injury. But this is a unit, a room, or two rooms if you want to include the offensive line room, that can have already shown you what they are all about. So yes, against a group of five team like Central Michigan, we want to see this get going immediately, like right off the bat. Uh, so we are going to have two more things that we are going to be overreacting to if it doesn't go right. I also have one thing that we will overreact to if it does go right. I just need to talk your ear off first about the game time app. This episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by GameTime.co. If you see me walking towards Spartan Stadium on Friday, hey, and I'm on my phone, I'm on the game time app probably, buying my tickets. Now, why is that? Why am I going to be buying tickets just minutes up to kickoff? It's because game time's flash deals and last minute ticket deals are the best in the business. It is so easy to find tickets, not just for sporting events, but also, hey, if you want to go see a play at the theater or if you go want to see a concert, game time is the place to do it. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get an image, a real life image of your seats before you buy so you know exactly where you're sitting when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It is just two taps and you are all set. You are good to go. Enjoy the rest of the game. The tickets are sent directly to your phone so you are not digging through your email. It is so simple with game time. So download the game time app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, that is all one word, for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. And also, if you want to stunt at any tailgate, kickoff, watch party, wherever you are at this fall, homefieldapparel.com is going to set you up for your best looking future. Now, if you don't know anything about Homefield Apparel, what are you waiting for, first of all? Second of all, they are all about the vintage look. You will see logos from Michigan State that you may have never seen before. And as good as you will look in your hoodie, your bomber jacket, with which they just unveiled, your t-shirts, your lawn sleeve t-shirts, as good as you look in those, you're going to feel even better because these are the most comfortable material that is in my closet. It will be the most comfortable material in your closet as well. So what are you waiting for? Go to homefieldapparel.com. But hey, when you check out, smash in promo code LOS23 for 15% off on your first order. Again, that is homefieldapparel.com. Promo code LOS23 for 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. Now let's get back into the mix here. Of course, after the game, everyone is going to be overreacting to all sorts of stuff. But we got three more things that we're going to be overreacting to. And this is another thing where if it doesn't go well, yeah, fire alarms should be pulled. And this is the defensive line push. Simply put, 
If you've listened to even just one podcast from this show over the offseason, odds are we talked about how strong this defensive line should be for Michigan State. Simply put, this is MSU's strength for the season. And it's not just me saying that. I mean, it's the coaching staff. It's the players are raving out the defensive line. It's definitely many other media outlets out there as well. If Michigan State isn't dominating Central in the trenches, whether it be stopping the run, because Central Michigan, they don't have their NFL running back in Lou Nichols back anymore. Or if it's just the pass rush as well, which Michigan State really kind of sort of lacked in last season, thanks to some injuries and suspensions, and also will just play in general. Central Michigan gave up 31 sacks last season. That is below average, in case you're keeping score on that. If the front does not live in the quarterback's face, or if they are not holding Central Michigan to under, let's set the bar at like three and a half yards per carry. Should probably be more aggressive than that, but that's just a good number to start with for the season. Uh-oh. This might mean that the defensive front isn't actually the strength we all thought it would, so if that's not the strength here, if we're not getting to the quarterback to help out our secondary that has been dying in the last few years... What does that mean for the rest of the season? So I think it's completely fair if the defensive line doesn't look strong that maybe we could ask ourselves, uh-oh, is this going to be another uh, long, long season for the defense? And another thing we can overreact to, I, let's just funnel right into it here, the secondary getting carved up. This is needless to say. They have led us many a sleepless night here in East Lansing the last two years. It's, 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 it's not been good. Uh, also, Central Michigan... They're just like Michigan State. They're in the midst of a quarterback battle as well. They have two guys. No one has put their head forward just yet. They will be rotating between two guys. If, if you if you are getting carved up by Central Michigan week one against a, you know, kind of a spotty offensive line with Michigan State's defensive line getting to the quarterback, hopefully. I don't know what to tell you if they're getting carved up. Actually, I will know what to tell you. It will not be good things. We might have to put the explicit label on that episode. But until then, that's another thing we can worry about. Now, it's not all doom and gloom here for what we will be overreacting to. There is one thing that could happen good that we would overreact to in a positive manner. And it's a player. It's a single player. It's Jonathan Kim, the transfer kicker from North Carolina. I don't have to remind you how bad kicking was last year, but I'll do it anyway. 50% kicking, 6 of 12 from field goal. I didn't even have to look that stat up. I just memorized that because that's the, the reason why I am the way I am these days. Uh, anyway, I never want to see a drive stall out for Michigan State during a game. However, if Michigan State's up like hmm, two scores in the fourth quarter... We're at the 30-yard line. It's third and five. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Michigan State just lay down so we could attempt a 47-yard field goal just to see what it looks like with Jonathan Kim. Seeing if we have a kicker that can actually, you know, put the ball through the uprights so we can go to ball games when these games do get down to one score possessions. So we can let Jay Johnson competently call an offense within the 30-yard line because, well, he's not going to be thinking that, oh my God, it's... These three points are not guaranteed even on a 22-yard field goal. I, I I need to call a third down play that can set us up for fourth. It changes the whole dynamic of play calling. But even if we don't get to see a field goal, we can at least see some kickoffs. 
I know, this is how in the weeds we get here on Locked on Spartans. We talk kickoff stats here on this show. Michigan State last year, second worst touchback rate in the Big Ten. They let up a crap ton of yards in the return game. And look, if you don't think that touchbacks aren't important in the kick in the kicking game, tell me how nice a touchback would have been instead of a touchdown by Indiana in that final home game last year. Yeah, sometimes you just want to boot the ball out of the back of the end zone and don't even give the opponents a chance to return it. Well, here comes Jonathan Kim again from North Carolina, where he led the ACC in touchback percentage. Look, this is a play where you just get off from your couch, you grab another beer, or if you're in the stadium, this is a good time to go get another hot dog or use the restroom. You don't even think twice about kickoffs. But let me tell you, this could be an underlying storyline here going into the season. Now, what else will we be watching during this game? I broke this up into two things. One, okay, things that we could just see during the game. Things that will be very apparent to us in real time. And then number two, things that maybe when we watch back on DVR or on YouTube that we won't notice until later on because the game of football moves very quickly. What we can notice, though, immediately, just in real time, right before our eyes when we're watching the game on our TVs or if you're in Spartan Stadium, I will be keyed in on third and lawns. I know, not just because it's fun to stand up, jingle the keys, and scream like a maniac at a bunch of college kids on third and nine, but this was an Achilles heel for Michigan State last season. They were dead last in the conference at third down conversions last year. And why is that? Well, it was, the lack of pass rush certainly didn't help. So on third and lawn, and this is what Dyron Reynolds is talking about, Scotty Hazleton has talked about this, that you have to earn your right to get a pass rush package in there to go hunt for the quarterback. Well, can you guys actually do that this year? And I know that there were limitations last year. I think MSU ended the season with just one defensive end on their roster. Not ideal in the game of football, so that there is reason to believe that can be different this year. But also... Why were there so many third downs converted last year? Plenty, plenty of eyes from the quarterback on the linebacker matchups. Uh, if there's one thing that Michigan State in the defensive front has a weakness with, it is covering at the linebacker position. We love Cal Halliday, right? Amazing tackler, great run stopper. He's going to be an all-Big Ten player most likely. I mean, barring, knock on wood, any injury. But, man, it, it, it does get a little tough there. So, how... Will they cover the tight ends, the slot receivers, the running backs on those wheel routes or the Texas routes? I, stay tuned to find out. I, does that get any better this year? That's something we could just figure out in front of our eyes in real time. Now, later on, while we rewatch the game, or maybe this is actually something that you can figure out during the game yourself, is receiver separation. All right, who is going to get the most distance on their guy and make life easy for whoever the quarterback is going to be? Also, number two, offensive line personnel. I just want to see who's playing where and how often, but specifically Keyshawn Blackstock, uh, the number one junior college offensive line in the country last year. He could play anywhere from... Well, Left tackle or right tackle and anywhere in between. I mean, this is a versatile kid. Um, we also keep hearing about depth for this offensive line. Is it going to be more of a pl uh, platoon style? Or is it truly just a first string and second string? Really interested to know how it shakes out right off the bat. Now, we're going to dive more into the mailbag here. Kendall writes in a quick question. There's been plenty of talk about what needs to change from last year, but what do you want to see continue from last year? And that's a very good question because, unfortunately, 
not really any shortage of things that we do want to see from uh, change from last year. Now, what do we want to see continue from last year? I'm going to highlight one player, some we've already talked about, but it's Jalen Berger and how he finished the season last year. Uh, he will not get the bulk of the carries. I think it will be a pretty even split between him and Nathan Carter. But there's reason to believe that Jalen Berger isn't just a second-string running back. I think it's a two-headed monster sort of situation because he did end the season last year with five-plus yards per carry in the last four games. One of those games against Illinois, who was in the upper echelon of run-stopping last year. And I think it took a while last year for a few reasons. Uh, it was a patchwork offensive line in the offseason. And back then, you're hearing about all the offensive line injuries during the offseason. You're thinking, what does it matter? We have months until kickoff. It'll be fine. It just looked out of sync right from the jump. So when you get into the third month of the season, a little more cohesion with the offensive line. Jalen Berger's vision starting to come along here with his new team, with his new offensive line. He had a really strong end to the season last year. So, I mean, that's, yeah, another thing that we could be looking for too this season is, okay, well, Jalen Berger, how close can he stay with Nathan Carter, or dare I say, can he stay ahead of Nathan Carter for the running back splits? Zach wrote in a good question here, a little long here, but a lot of good stuff in this one. Loved the Graham Couch interview, always great when he comes on. It sure is. I, Graham's great people. There is a lot of questions I have regarding the football program, as we all do following Mel's recent comments, but we've talked enough about that. A question I don't think that is being talked about enough is, how has Mel not fixed this secondary. I keep seeing there's going to be a lot of young guys back there. How is this still possible? This is Mel's fourth year. Shouldn't we have some three or four year guys back there? Seems like the preseason excuses to limit expectations are piling up. How and why? Has the secondary not been addressed? It feels so odd we can get some serviceable experience guys back there in the transfer portal era. Any words of wisdom you can lend to get me back off the edge of this cliff? Yeah, maybe. I'll try my best here. Um, I think there's truths both that match the frustration that Zach has and a lot of other fans have, and many times that I have as well. And there's some truths, too, that kind of give some context as to why we are talking like this before the season. Now, here is what's true that is matching that frustration. It, it is point blank, just inexcusable for the secondary to be that bad in back-to-back -back seasons. Just... I don't know. I don't even know how it's possible. Well, I do know how it's possible because it's not just all in the secondary. A complete lack of pass rush. I, there is no unit in the country that can just stick on their receivers for eight, nine seconds when there is no one in the quarterback's face. And that was an is issue for Michigan State last year. Of course, the cornerbacks, the nickels, the safeties, they're not absolved from blame at all. I mean, they're just as much to blame as everyone else. But when it is that bad, it is a full unit issue. Uh, no, truth number two, it, it is objectively a horrible look for Mel last year to say, I am taking the cornerbacks under my wing. And then, well, your unit gives up the second most yards per game in the Big Ten through the air, and also the highest completion percentage. And I, I, I got to, you know, mirror what Zach says right there. Getting a strong, certain starting cornerback in the transfer portal would have been delightful. Yes, they got Samar Melvin, played very sparingly at Wisconsin. They got Terry Roberts, played sparingly at Iowa, had some injury issues. Reason to believe that he can contribute this year, but yet there is no bona fide starter that you got out of the portal. However, we're going to go right here to, well, what is true 
that may sound like excuses, but are also just factual as, you know, we we're talking about this position the last few years and this season. They have tried to get transfer portal guys in the past. Guys like, you know, Chester Kimbra, who's still here. Amir Speed, Ronald Williams, to, to bridge the gap to these two to three year guys. Now, why aren't there more three to four year players? Let's just go back and look at the recruiting classes right now. Mel Tucker's first class, the COVID class, as, as, as it has been named, Chuck Brantley. I mean, that's really your only defensive back out of that class that is still around here. Now the class after that, guys who were freshmen last year, Jaden Mangum, Dylan Tatum, Malik Spencer, all got great playing time, unfortunately because of, well, a lot of injury issues ahead of them. And also Caleb Coley as well. That's a guy that I've been hearing can be expected to contribute this year. Now this year, true freshman, Chance Rucker, Eddie Pleasant. Her... Uh, I mean, I've heard good things about both those guys, but we'll see how much the true freshmen actually contribute. So your third-year guy is Chuck Brantley. Yes, and you, you did inherit Juliet Barnett, but I, I think it's very clear that he wasn't really up to his four-star billing, and there wasn't much talent around him that Mel Tucker felt that he had to keep here. I mean, yes, you do have Marquis Lowry as well. That's another guy that has been here for a few years, and he's solid, but also hurt all the time. So right now, your starters could be Chuck Brantley, Dylan Tatum at your cornerbacks, and then Malik Spencer and Jaden Mangum at your safeties. Those are young guys. There is one three-year player in there, but it's also two four-stars, two four-stars in Dylan Tatum and Jaden Mangum, and two three-stars. I mean, pretty highly rated three-stars as well. So yes, it will be a young secondary, but it's a secondary full of recruited kids, many of which are talented. So I... I completely, 100% understand that no one wants to hear the excuses, no one wants to hear about it, but that, that's just the fact of the matter that we are finally seeing the kids, talented, recruited here, getting their shot. And if they have a solid year, well, that's going to mean great things for the future because that means, well, okay, a fourth-year cornerback in Chuck Brantley and then everyone else on that unit I named, it, they're going to be in their third year with solid experience. So it's... Yeah, no question there's going to be a lot of highs on the secondary there, but oh man. Um, really quick too, before getting to a final mailbag question, as we drive towards game day, uh, there are some rule change reminders I wanted to go over for college football, just as you're watching the stadium or on your couch. Uh, the first rule, no clock stoppages on first downs to reset the chains. In the past, you run past the sticks, the clock will stop for a little bit while the chain gang gets set up, and then all right, back off we go. No more of that. Unless we are in the final two minutes of the second quarter or the fourth quarter. Rule uh, change number two, no back-to-back -back timeouts. So if it's the end of halftime, you have three timeouts. They're about to kick a game-winning field goal. You cannot burn up all three of your timeouts consecutively just to keep the game moving. And then the third rule change, a period shall be extended for an untimed down in the second or fourth quarter only if a penalty is accepted for a live ball foul. Basically, uh, there are going to be no untimed downs at the end of halves unless it's like a blatant pass interference or something like that. In that case, yeah, you you will be getting an untimed down. Also, uh, two hours, or no later than two hours before kickoff, there has to be an availability report sent by the teams. That is something that the Big Ten has implemented. So... I mean, Mel Tucker's favorite thing in the world is to call every single player on his team sore, whether they've lost an arm the game before or just simply spontaneously exploded. He would just say, well, they're sore. 
Can't get away with that anymore. They have to report that to the Big Ten and the media two hours before kickoff. Now, to take us home, this question is from, they go by first last, LockdownSpartans at gmail.com. Question for you, what jersey numbers in MSU football or basketball does your mind automatically tie to a past Spartan regardless of who wears the number now? My example is whenever I see a defensive player in football wearing number seven, my mind automatically goes to Demetrius Cox. Hope to hear your answer on the show. Looking forward to future episodes. This is a fun one to talk about. Hey, if you're driving up to the game and you're listening to the show, Thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. But this could be another one you could just continue after you're done listening to this uh, program with your buddies, your family members, or whoever. But yes, I associate way too many numbers, way too many numbers with Michigan State athletes. Like, number two will always be Mark Delamy. Number three, B.J. Cunningham. Number four, Edwin Baker. Number five, we go to the basketball court, Chris Hill is always who I associate number five with. No disrespect to Adrian Payne, Cassius Winston, or the guy above my shoulder here, Drew Stanton. But yeah, I don't know why. And number seven, like Damon Doddell stands out. Number eight will always be Kirk Cousins to me. Number nine, Kenneth Walker. Thank you for your service. Number 10 is a weird one. Andrew Maxwell, like that's just burnt into my head. I don't know why, but whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Number 11 will always be Drew Neitzel. 12, Rocky Lombardi for sure. 14, I, I have a rotating trio in my head of Gary Harris, Brian Lewerke, and Tony Lippett as well. 16 will always be Aaron Birdbridge. Uh, skip 15, Trey Waynes, no doubt about that. Connor Cook, always 18 to me. And then like when you get in the 20s, it gets a little hit and miss. Like 23 will be Draymond Green forever. 24, Le'Veon Bell. 27, Curtis Drummond. Sure, why not? 37, uh, Trayvon Pendleton, why don't you? Uh, 34, I don't know why, Gavin Schilling, a, a very forgettable player in the Tom Izzo era, but yeah, that always sticks out to me. And then 45 will always be Denzel Valentine, number 40, Paul Davis. Th there's, there's a ton more, but that's just all off the top of my head. I'm sure I missed a lot of great ones here. But yeah, if there's any that fill that for you guys, comment below on YouTube or hey, write in LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. No matter what you guys do, though, the rest of your day, well, just two pieces of advice. One, let's, let's mix in a water today, all right? Let's let's mix in a water. Let's mix in some carbs. We're, we're going to have a good time, but also a healthy time as well. Number two, have a fantastic game day. We will see you with the post-game show. God, I cannot, I cannot believe it's finally here. We're doing this, guys. It's game day. Go green. I love you all. Go green. Go green. Go green. Go green.